Okay, so in today's Daily Cyber, what I want to talk about is what's going on in the first quarter of January 2020 uh, when it comes to some of the conversations I've been having when it comes uh, around IT security. So let's hack at it. Okay, so let me first say thank you so much for uh, for everyone that has sent me a comment, uh, DM me, message me, let me know kind of their feedback on some questions that they wanted to hear in uh, the Daily Cyber from guests that I've been having on the show, as well as just kind of letting me know what their thoughts are on the podcast. So thank you so much. I want to first and foremost say that it's really helps me to kind of look at, you know, future uh, podcasts, uh, future guests, as well as how the podcast is being received. So I want to say thank you so much. So in this podcast, what I want to talk about is cloud security, uh, two-factor authentication, uh, the security triad, which is SIM, NDR, EDR, data, and then training. So we're going to kind of cover, this is what the conversations I've been having around um, 2020, the first quarter, what people are asking to look at and are interested as well as some of the articles that I've been seeing. I'm not going to dive too deep in each of these topics, but I want to give, give an idea of what, you know, my colleagues, companies, uh, people that I've been talking to, what are they looking at this year uh, when it comes to cybersecurity and IT security and see one, is this something that's on your roadmap for this year or this quarter? Uh, and what are the reasons why you should be looking at it if you're not already? So let's start with uh, cloud security. With all the applications that are out there, uh, you're looking at ones that are being created by companies, uh, maybe even software as a service. You're looking at infrastructure as a service. Any of those solutions that are being created in the cloud, these things need to be secured. Now, something that's been coming up more and more in the conversation is email security in the cloud. So when you look at Office 365 and one that's been more important uh, that hasn't really had too much security uh, in the sense of third-party solutions is G Suite, which is Google's email client or email solution, I'll call it, uh, for the enterprise and, and companies when you can have your own company use their solution for uh, Google Drive, Google Apps, uh, storage, your email solution, when you can use that and the security externally from them is a little bit limited, but now it's starting to grow. I'm hearing more companies are coming out with uh, third-party solutions to help with security. And let me talk about one concern that I was talking to a, a colleague of mine probably about a month ago. Uh, it was about they were sending uh, sending and receiving PII information uh, back and forth to their clients. So uh, getting validation of confirmation of contracts and different information and, and uh, financial information. And because of that, they were concerned about this information being sent over email. And that was their old uh, process of getting information that a client would take a picture of it and then they would email it. Uh, I was actually talking to an employment agency, and I just remember this now. Uh, same thing is that they were emailing uh, copies of driver's license, birth certificate, or your birth 
certificate or card. Uh, they were taking a picture of it. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, social insurance number, all taking pictures and sending it over email. Now, again, if it's not encrypted, then it's in plain text. Now, you got to look at you know different levels of security, which I'll talk a little bit about two-factor authentication. But again, when they're emailing it out to the cloud and it's not their own server, now you got to worry that it's out there. The information is out there. So it's not encrypted. It's in plain text, you know, all these other concerns. So this was one question is, okay, so what do we do? Uh, and I know companies like Trend Micro had different solutions when it came to Office 365. But when it came to Google, uh, their G Suite, there wasn't many companies at the time that had uh, security solutions out for G Suite and Google's solution. So from what I'm hearing, and I'm going to do a little bit more research on that, I'm hearing more and more companies are coming out with a solution. And the importance of it is, is if you're sending information that's confidential or anything that can be compromised, be it intellectual property, be it you know confidential information, uh, personal identifiable information, financial information, whatever that means, if you're sending that over email, there's a chance that that could be captured in some form of another, be it sniffer, being if you're at... Um, Maybe even a, a, rem, a remote access, you're using their Wi-Fi and it's going over plain text. So you're not using a VPN and your email. And this is what we call as kind of layered security. So cloud security is so important to make sure that the applications that you're using, and I was using email as an example because it's kind of a hot topic that I've been hearing more and more, but you've got other applications that are on your smart devices that use cloud solutions not only for them to host the application, but also for storage of data. Uh, you've got, and I'm just using example, you've got Microsoft, you've got Google, you've got Apple that has iCloud. Um, you've got, you know, a suite of information of, of different applications that collect your data as you're using their application. Uh, it could be your contacts, your GPS, um, access to your phone and uh, what other uh, access to what we've seen in terms of service phone microphone camera things like that like you know when people just click on don't read the terms of service now for you you're probably an IT professional you probably know you know which ones to click on which not to but for end users you know that are click on applications that just go next 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 Sometimes the, the what they're asking for is access to your contacts, which they don't need. It might be like a graphic design application, and that graphic design application doesn't need access to your contacts. But in the terms of service and in the pop-ups, what you'll see is they'll say, uh, "Grant access to phone, grant or contacts, grant access to microphone, get grant access to you know camera roll or uh, camera." Well, all these things that you should be like questioning why do you need access and second should be denying everything that they're asking access over and above what they what the application is uh, used for for yourself so this is why cloud security is so important to look at it on an end user uh, power user type uh, vision or kind of focus and then look at as a company and how it's being used because a top-down approach is how are your end users using these types of applications and then bringing them on your network and then we're now we can t talk about like BYOD bring your own device how are they using it on your network be it and here's something that's a challenge that we talk about is that for cloud solutions 
sometimes they're transferring files to make it accessible on their smart devices and they're emailing it to themselves, right? So they can have access to it while they travel and while they're on the plane or, you know, on a train and traveling from place to place, or they can work on at home, whatever that may be. So cloud security is a, is a, an, a real concern when I'm, I'm talking to different professionals and something that we, we should continue this conversation. And I have a, a person I'm going to be interviewing in the next couple of weeks where I'm going to go into that real deep conversation about cloud and cloud security. So that's one area to think about. And, and the reason why to, to really take a look at if you're not, right. And really dive, dive deep into not just what you think is, Oh yeah, we're, we're not storing our data there, but what applications have cloud solutions behind them that your employees and users are actually bringing onto the network. So something to think about. Uh, next is two-factor authentication. So when you look at two-factor authentication, you have one-factor authentication is you just log in, use a password, and then you're in into your your computer, your network, you have access. Right now, there's two-factor authentication is when the definition of it, just to kind of explain it, is you something you have, something you are, or something you know. Right. So you use, there's three, you know, options and you, out of those three options, you use two of them to authenticate. So it's kind of a layered approach. So something you have might be a password that you have, um, or sorry, something you have is maybe like a device, uh, like, um, a, a key fob, uh, something along that line, uh, something you have could be even, uh, being text, a code, right. When you're, you log in with your password, something you you know, so a password. You log in with that, and then something you have is they, they all of a sudden text you to your smartphone a uh, five-digit code that now you log in. Or maybe you have like an authenticator that's every 60 seconds is creating a new number. Uh, so just to use example, and something you are is like your biometrics, your thumbprint. Um, you're seeing this with the smartphones now, face recognition. So using one, like two of the three to, to log in and authenticate. Uh, the reason why we're, we're talking about this in two-factor authentication, and don't get me wrong, there's actually a third level of authentication, which is coming out, which is true passwordless decentralized authentication, which is the newer uh, next level of two-factor authentication. And why are we looking at two-factor authentication is because if someone can guess your password, then they can act. They can get access to your device, um, your laptop, uh, your network, uh, any kind of access point that you might have that I'm just trying to think like, for example, uh, if you're trying to access your network, you're trying to access your data, you're trying to access your files at work. If you have one password to get in and they guess it, or they brute force it, now they're into the keys of this uh, kingdom and they have access. Now, depending on your level of access too, they could be have access to very confidential and private information. So depending on what your position is. So two-factor authentication is very important. And now let's talk on the end user side. If you're not using two-factor authentication for your most important uh, and how can I say this? Your most important applications, access points that you're using, then you need to reevaluate, you know, how to set up two-factor authentication for those. And let me kind of give you a list. 
So for example, your banking information, your uh, services in the sense of telecommunications, so your phone, your uh, internet, uh, your cell phone, uh, your bills. So when you look at hydro, electricity, anything along that line should have some sort of two-factor authentication. Not just the technical aspect of logging in through online and the website, but also what you need to do is set up phone two-factor authentication. And what I mean by that is you should call all these providers. And yes, I understand this is a little bit of a hassle, but you should call those providers and set and say, look, here's a code that I want you to have and make it different for each. Don't make it one code. Don't make it and I'm just using this example, one, one, like one, 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 one. So four ones, don't make it that across all services, all solutions, all whatever. So if it's your telecommunication and if it's your uh, hydro and electricity, don't give them the same code, have a different code for each of them. Because what happens is just in case someone compromises one, they can't go through your whole life and whole profile. This is what we're talking about when it comes to passwords now is making everything individual, uh, for each website, each application, everything you do should have a very complex password and two-factor authentication for each of them. So what happens is they can't, someone can't compromise your whole life. If they breach one, then at least you can do countermeasures to prevent them from hacking into the rest or compromising the rest of the solutions. Now, what we heard in the past was, and this was, the best way to say is people not knowing, you know, uh, really good secure posture and hygiene was they would set up a password right across their social media and then be saying password against their banks, saying password against their telecommunication right across because it was easy to know and easy to remember. And then what happened was is someone would compromise that one account. They would know, for example, the email that they use and they would know the password and they'd walk through their whole profile, right? And they would compromise their services, their telecommunication, their bank, like right across the board. So good security practice. One, have a, have a really complex password. Two, two-factor authentication and complex password for each and every uh, solution. Make it individual. Second, two-factor authentication and make it complicated, like make it hard for the two-factor authentication. I would recommend if you have a smartphone, try to use the biometrics, your thumbprint and your face recognition. And the reason why that is, is just it's it's harder for them to replicate. The harder it is, the more they'll move on to someone that's an easier target. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of two-factor authentication, really talking about that and the importance of it. Um, now next is let's talk about kind of the security triad. Uh, SIMS, which is Security Event Incident Management. Uh, NDR, which is network detection response, and EDR, which is endpoint detection response. Now, more and more companies are looking at this because uh, with endpoint detection response, it monitors, you know, computers, um, trying to think, computers, smart devices, uh, laptops, uh, tablets, but then it leaves out the printers, copiers, uh, Internet of Things devices. So this is where NDR comes into play, which is a network detection response what looks at your network and the network communication. So that is then also looked at of 
the difference of the baseline and the heuristics of, you know, is something looking different. So they'll take kind of a baseline. Okay, here's how your network normally is working day in and day out and, you know, the network traffic and, and different alerts. And then what happens from that baseline, then they look at, you know, what's the difference, you know, and if there's something starts to uh, react or act in a, in a way that it shouldn't, then there's alerts and there's triggers. And with NDR, there's now network detection response. We're starting to hear that they're starting to go towards, and I'm hearing this with EDR as well, uh, more machine learning and AI. So they're they're learning from your network. They're becoming smarter as, you're, as it has more time in your network and sees how the administrator educates the system on what is false negative, false negative, false positive, and what it should really be looking at and what should it ignore. So this is really important because then when it goes to the SIM, and the SIM is basically this logging tool that logs all the events and then sorts it out in a way that professionals can look at it and say, okay, is, is it critical? Is it important? Is it, you know, low uh, in the criticality? You know, do I have to take action? And so what they know is if they're getting breached, if there's a high alert, if there's a sev one incident, or if it's just a low priority and what, what action they need to take immediately. Is it they go into the incident response or is it something that it just has to go into change management? So these, this is what a SIM kind of does with the monitoring tool. So now we're starting to see the importance of this, especially when it comes to um, the Internet of Things devices that are coming up on, coming and being installed into companies, being it lighting, heating, uh, smart fridges, smart TVs, I'm um, just trying to think, webcams, Bluetooth devices that have IP addresses, all these ones that have IP addresses, I'm just trying to think of different ones, but the list goes on and on. Um, what happens is they need to be monitored just because, and I hate to say this, but a lot of the manufacturers of some of these devices are looking at the you know, and we talk about the CIA confidentiality, data, uh, the integrity and availability. They're looking at the integrity of the the device and how it, you know, is functions, the accessibility and availability that it's you know, access anywhere. It's easy to use. It's so great. But the confidentiality on the security side with these devices are lower than what you'd see on like a PC or a computer. And they're from what I'm hearing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm hearing these Internet of Things devices are more easier to compromise, right? And this is what we heard years ago when we were hearing about baby monitors uh, and different types of devices like that. So yeah, like baby monitors and different type uh, devices like that, where you would hear, you know, people were were breaching them, uh, modems. I'm just trying to think of that smart TVs, different devices. I mean, we just kind of go, the list goes on and on. So this is why it's so important for companies to start looking at, you know, the security triad, SIMS, NDR, and EDR, and see how they can be efficient and working with these to look at their network and monitor it because you have to be proactive versus reactive. Uh, next is data. So data security has been so important, especially with, the new rules and regulations of PIPA, where now, you know, if you get breached in, in Ontario, um, I think it might be in Canada, but I'm not sure. I have to look it up. But 
if you get breached, now you have to report it. And especially the, the instance of data being compromised and any data. So if it's company data, if it's PII data, companies are supposed to report it and then they go through an audit and to see what's, you know, if there's any fines, anything along that line. So more companies are looking at data protection and how to secure their data, which is really great. We're looking at it. It's just now how to do it and how to categorize the data that's critical and then the data that is, you know, low, very low on the priority. And I'll give you an example of criticality. Um, when we look at uh, legal documents, um, maybe different types of marketing material that has a copyright or um, even like proprietary information, uh, client in, uh, client or staff information that has PII, banking information, uh, HR information. Um, I'm trying to think of any other kind of secure information uh maybe even project plans of future uh projects of the company that a company's working on so all this data could be confidential and need to be protected where other data might be low on the tone pole might be marketing material right in the sense of it's already out like and, and i mean marketing material that's been posted and, and published in 2000 and and say 14, 2015, it's already out. It's already in, into the, the market. So if someone grabbed it and took it, it's really not going to, uh, hurt anyone. It's not going to, you know, affect the company because the market material has already been published. It's already been in magazines and out online and all that stuff. Right. So looking how, how you assess your data and you look at the confidentiality of it and this, how do you need to secure it and protect it? So more and more companies are going through audits and looking at their data and classifying the data and then how to protect it and you know data in motion as well as data in in and being at rest when it's being secured and local servers or cloud solutions whatever that may be and how to store it properly and make sure it's encrypted and it's protected so the next thing the last one is training um, hearing more and more about cybersecurity awareness training. Now, there's a lot of great training when you have phishing attacks and, and education models. I know No Before has a great model and Wombat has a great training as well. But I'm hearing more companies looking for in-person training when they have someone come on site. And the reason why I'm seeing this more, and I think it's the psychology of what's going on in the industry is more and more security professionals Last year, the year before, we're always saying the weakest point in security is the the individual, right? Is the person because they can get compromised, and it put a lot of pressure on on companies to evaluate, you know, where their employees are, where their contractors are, where their subcontractors are, coming into the to the network, connecting where they are in the sense of the relationship of their education of cybersecurity awareness, and then if anything happened, the spotlight was shine uh, was shine on them to say, look, you did something wrong. And it put a lot of pressure on people that maybe made a mistake, knowing it was a mistake, but they were under a lot of pressure. They're under a lot of stress. And I think in 2020, something we've got to acknowledge is more and more people are under so much pressure, be it work, financial stress, relationships, uh, family members and, and colleagues and friends are getting sick and, you know, going through different scenarios of, 
you know, illness. All this is putting pressure on individuals that work at our companies. And the challenge of that is then they're coming in and they're, they've got five, 10 projects. They've got meetings. They're trying to meet deadlines. They've got all this pressure on them. And then someone calls them and they answer the phone and they're just, they've got 10, 15 things on their, on their mind. And then what happens is they answer the phone and they go, yes. And they start answering questions that they shouldn't have. They hang up the phone and go, Oh my God, I shouldn't have done that. Or through an email, you know, they get an email and they got, and they click on a link they shouldn't have. So these types of phishing attacks uh, and social engineering happen, but I think companies now need to go, if it happens on their watch, to evaluate that individual that it happened to and see how they can help them. Reevaluate in sense of, okay, what happened? What's going on? What can we do to help you uh, be more aware? Is there something that's going on in your life that we can help and support you? And then kind of go from there because I think the most important thing is, is not just to throw them under the bus and go through your typical HR uh, escalation of sit down and have a conversation with them. Second incident. Now you have written notice. And then third, you know, they've get there, they get let go, they get fired. I think what it comes down to is we have to be more supportive, especially with everything that's going on in our economy and in our world and provide more support and more value to them. And I think it's so important to look at that because you're going to have more loyal employees who really want to do their job and really want to, you know, give value to the company and help because they, they're, they, they're, that's the reason why they're working with your company because they love it. It's just now supporting them through this because it's a learning game from the top down, from the bottom up approach. So it's really important to work strategically and as a team. Now, of course, if someone's doing it intentionally and maliciously, then yes, I, I get the understanding of going through the escalation of HR and you know potentially having to let them go. But if it's an incident where they made a true mistake unknowingly, I would say do your best to provide training, provide support, and even have people come in. I know a lot of companies do annual training, and they also they have you know software solutions that they use for phishing attacks and things like that to simulate uh, different incidents. And if something happens, then all of a sudden they go. They've been asked to go through certain types of training, and like I said, the uh, great companies that know before and Wombat have these. Uh, I think Wombat's with Proofpoint. Uh, have these types of training that they can go through online on their own time. I agree with them, but I also think that there's value of having someone in person in front of them to answer questions so they can connect with them right? and and really, really hit home that the importance of doing it and how to strategize properly when to answer your phone, when to answer your email especially if they are so busy and everything is going on, you know, if their phone is ringing off the hook and they got projects to do, when to manage their time to be able to do that, not work on this project, juggle these four balls, and then all of a sudden answer the phone when they're in a heightened stressful state. And now they make a mistake of, oh yeah, John's credit card is blah, blah, blah. Right? And you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. What, why did I, you know, yeah, they were purchased. They said they were purchasing per person. There was something wrong with the, the procurement. Why did I give them the credit card? Why didn't I confirm it? Like, oh my God, like what did I do? So 
in those, I'm using that as a scenario and as an example. But my point being is that if they're more aware and more connected, they would kind of go, okay, let me call you back. And then they would could hang up, you know, find out the real contact of company X, call them directly, say, Hey, you know, you call me, is there a problem with our, you know, our purchase or whatever that may be. We're just, where I just got a call and they can tell you, Oh yeah, no, we actually had an issue or no, we never called you. You know, that wasn't us. And that person, the employee now can do that when they're in the right state, but they need to be supported. They need to have the right strategy to be able to do that. And it's up to the company, a top down approach to help support them and make sure that they're, they have the right environment to do that. And that's just my recommendation, my opinion. I'm just seeing more and more of this going on. Okay, so that's a lot to talk about in this uh, this podcast. Uh, I just wanted to give you kind of some insight from what I'm seeing from the first quarter of, of January 2020 in the conversation. So let's go into a little bit of a housekeeping, uh, things that are going on with myself. Uh, I think I hope you enjoyed the last two interviews uh, I did with uh, Scott and Tim. Uh, really great guys, a lot of great information. I've got a couple more interviews coming up. And if you know anyone that wants to be interviewed on my daily cyber podcast and just have some really true in-depth conversation about the cybersecurity industry, let me know, uh, comment below or have them send me or have them go to www.dailycyber.ca. You'll see it in the comments or the description below. Have them go there. uh, And on the top is want to be a guest, have them click that and fill out a meet and greet kind of time and, and, have them meet with me and let's, let's go. Cause I, I really appreciate being able to provide you guys, you know, value as, as much information as I can about the cybersecurity industry. Uh, and that leads me to say, thank you for everyone that has been following me. That's been sending me messages. That's been DMing me. That's sending me emails. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, I love that the questions that you're asking me and that the information that you're asking me to find out and, and go and do research on. And I also appreciate the feedback and what you think of the the podcast and the the value. So one thing I'm going to ask for whatever uh, form that you're watching. So if it's uh, you're listening to the audio podcast or you're looking, you're listening to it like on a social site, please uh, like and comment and then share it with your colleagues. Because one of my goals is to really get this out, really kind of share this you know, on two sides of the coin here. One, get more experts on the podcast to be able to interview to provide more value for myself as well as for you because I'm I'm learning as much as you are. Uh, the next is, is to grow this out to really make this something of value for more and more people. So if you can share it with your colleagues, share it with your clients, I think it'd be real important for them to give their insight and, and share what they're looking for and, and how we can give more value to them and help them and support them. Um, what else have I been working on? Studying Python programming, uh, CISSP, that's going well. Uh, I've been talking back and forth with uh, some recruiters and that. They've been uh, really great. I'm really looking for uh, some contract positions Could just kind of get out there and help and do some talks and presentations. Just really kind of get, get back into the industry because I'm working with different people and relating to different people, but I want to get deeper into the the roots and really provide as much value and much information as I can as I get out there and as I work with more people. So it's kind of this yin and yang that I'm sure you're finding is that when you're in there, when you're kind of in the, the, the trenches 
you see so much more. You're kind of connected with more people. You're learning about the ins and outs of what's going on in the industry. Uh, having an uh, approach that I have right now with podcasting, I'm learning from experts and consultants. Uh, but I really want to get more deeper into the to the weeds and really kind of connect more. So that's kind of what's been going on me with going on with me. I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, if you know a recruiter, a really good one, uh, especially in the Toronto area, have them contact me. Uh, I just want to have a conversation with them and just see how the industry is as well as see kind of the opportunities that are out there. So that's it for today's podcast. I'm so uh, grateful and thankful that you guys are listening to us and you're sharing this and, and just helping me grow this out. So I'm going to end there and just remind you, don't forget, software's hackle, being connected is vulnerable. I'll see you next daily cyber podcast.